Man up in my city on the roof, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe The Providence College Friars Top for the crossover The reverse Oh, baby The rush the Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Welcome everybody to another episode of Providence Crier Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surratt, Providence Follow me on Twitter, that's at Providence Crier. Read our blog, theprovidencecrier.com. Join with me as always. We got BOC. Follow him on Twitter. At BOC all day. Today is Friday, April 15th. Good Friday. Um, it's been a while, BOC, since we've chatted. Um, you know, the national championship game happened. UNC builds a huge lead, ends up losing to Kansas. So, um, you know, PC ends up going down to the eventual champion. So tough to complain about that. But BOC, you had boots on the ground for the national championship game. I did. I was at the game, and it was awesome. That that uh, the Superdome, I call it Caesar Superdome. It used to be Mercedes. That place is massive. That yeah. it is. It is crazy walking up to it and seeing how big it is. Uh, great game. Um, you know, I, we said we said before that Kansas PC game, the winner of this game is going to the national championship. And we didn't say they were going to win it, but we said the winner is going to the national championship. And we said that before the Kansas game. So um, Kansas looked great in the second half. And I think UNC's lack of depth really showed in the second half. Um, they just were worn out and Kansas was just the better team in the second half. So kudos to them. And it's, it is, I guess, if you want a silver lining, it's we lost to the national champions. So and we played them really tight. So yeah, no doubt. Um, so one thing I'll ask you, what was it? Was that your first time watching a hoops game in a football stadium? Because I've never done it. Uh, let me think. That's a good question. Yeah. Yes, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. What like, did you feel like uh, you probably had probably decent seats, but uh did it feel I mean, like you were super far away or like, how was the viewing experience? We, we were in the hundred section and even in the hundred section, we were like very far from the court. very far from the court. It was weird. It was like, we had really good seats, but we we're still very far from the court. So, um, you know, I'm a basketball purist. I'd like to see the biggest basketball game of the season be decided in a basketball stadium. Like, wow, I don't think that's too far fetched to ask, but um, they get, they sell the tickets and it, they sell it for a reason because they make a ton of money. So um, I see why they do it, but I'd prefer to have those games be played in a basketball arena. But overall, it was awesome atmosphere. New Orleans is the best. Um, I, was, I was certainly happy to get out of there after my trip there. Uh, you can only be there for a few days. It's a little bit like Vegas in that regards. Yeah, man. I, 
jeez, I would have loved to freaking gone to New Orleans with the Friars in the Final Four. Yeah, but it is what it is. Uh, yeah, the title game was was a battle between our two cheat teams. You, uh, UNC, me, Kansas. Uh, you know, I had Kansas in my bracket. I won my first bracket since I was in eighth grade. Er, like seventh or eighth grade, the year that UConn won it all with the Mecca Okafor was the first time I ever won a pool. I haven't won one since. You know, I was getting frustrated at BOC because I felt like, like I've only watched more and more basketball as I've gotten older here, and I watch so much, and I'm like, I think this is hurting my my uh, NCA pool performance. Like, I just can't get it right. But this year. Finally, I'm back in the winner's circle. I'm pretty stoked about it. But, yeah, that game was freaking epic. Um, you know, back and forth in the beginning, UNC, all of a sudden Kansas gets hold on offense, and UNC starts heating up. Uh, and we saw how deadly their offense can be all tournament long with uh, Manic, Baycott down low, uh, Love in Davis finally coming around and being the star players that they were pegged to be out of high school. Uh, so they start cooking. And I think this thing is, is over. Um, I believe what they're up like 12 and a half or something like that. 15. 15. No, I think that was the biggest lead, but I think at halftime it was 12. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure. Um, but uh, second half starts. Kansas is like shot out of a cannon getting stopped, scoring on the other end. Um, I texted you. I texted you to do this. We didn't see this problem too much this year. I think that's the byproduct of having a veteran group and they can figure it out themselves. Mm -hmm. But I felt like Hubert Davis made kind of a Cooley-esque error there in holding on to his timeout too long. Yeah, I hear you. It's, it's, I think the bottom, you get like critiqued timeouts and everything and all that, but um... Kansas was deeper, and they just kept running and running and running. Um, UNC also, effect. Also, yeah. UNC, UNC, like, Baycott could barely play. Like, you, when, you, when I saw him in person tried to do the opening tip-off and he could barely move, I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be a long game. Really? Um, so you thought he looked hampered? I thought he was – Well, he got, better. he got better as the game went on. But, yeah. again, we were in person. So when you saw him, like, jump and, like, with a tip and, like, run down the court – I was. I said to somebody I was with, I was like, "He's not making it five minutes, but he just yeah. he just needs to get his body warmed up." Um, Manic, I think, had had a concussion, and <laughs> they just they let him play. Like he probably should have been uh, taken out of that game. Um, and I didn't see this, but apparently, uh, Cam Johnson's brother Puff was throwing up on the court or something. Yes, like that. that was the weirdest situation. I thought he um, was like, in trouble, man. Like I. I was like thinking that like Hank gathers, like I was like, Oh yeah. no, this cannot happen right now. But yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't see that, but apparently it was pretty crazy. Yeah. He was like on all fours and all of a sudden he started like, it, like it seemed like he was out of breath and all of a sudden he just like spit. It was like, it was weird. It was like spit, but like spit up. It, it was like very bizarre. But I think, I think that's kind of what ended up happening here. Like UNC has gone on this crazy run. They had so many crazy games in, in, in that tournament. You think about the Baylor game, um, you know, coming back against UCLA late and stunning them, um, beating Duke. Like 
I think they just ran out of gas. I, th- I think you're right. Um, but awesome, awesome final. I was happy. Finally win my bracket. But um, but yeah, let's move on. The season is over. We are on to the offseason officially. And with that, we got some exciting news. We tweeted about it on, um, on Wednesday, I believe. We have a partnership with Rich Corin of 24-7 Sports and Scout Fryer. Um, he's going to be a recurring guest on the Province Crier podcast. Um, so we'll get to that segment a little later. We'll cover the transfer portal in the 2023 class. We have new articles out on those. Catch them at theprovincecrier.com. BLC, you're really excited in? about this. I am too. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. So for those who have just started following the Friars who are new to following college basketball in general, Rich is, you know, as I say, he's the OG. He's been he's been working with Providence on the scout board now 24-7 for since its inception, honestly. I remember, you know, being in college in from 2007, 2011 and being on the scout boards in their infancy. And Rich was the moderator. So Rich has been around the team. He knows he knows the program inside and out. And he's going to help keep uh, Mike and I in, in between the guardrails, as they say, because we tend to fly off of the rail a bit. So. Rich is definitely a, an excellent value add to the podcast with us and looking forward to hearing some of his, uh, his experience, his expertise, and what he can uh, bring to us from his historical point of view. Yeah, for sure. I kind of envision him as our like woes. He's going to have the scoops on uh, all things recruiting who, who were, you know, close to getting. And, and uh, I'm excited about that. And then, like you said, the history part of it, you know, he's been covering the team for, for a while, so we'll be able to get some some cool stuff. We, we've been talking a lot about how we want this partnership to work. Um, and, you know, I, I think he, he'll help us with access uh, to get those interviews that, that, that we want to get, right? Um, to, to maybe promote some, you know, fan interaction on the pods, on, on, the, on our website and on Scout too, right? So... Really, really excited to, for that, and we'll get to it in a moment. But first, we're just going to hit on a few tidbits before getting into that segment from Providence. You know, a ton has happened since we last spoke, BOC. Well, not since we last spoke, but since we last had a podcast. Um, so first off, Cooley gets Coach of the Year, um, Naismith Coach of the Year after uh, – Tommy Lloyd of Arizona was racking up the awards from AP and a a few other outlets, but obviously huge, huge award for, for Cooley to win. I think big for the program too. Yeah. Fantastic for the program. I think uh, obviously well-deserved Cooley had a heck of a bounce back year uh, from the year prior. And it's just such a great representative of Providence school, Providence, the basketball program, Providence, the city. Um, so with that, you know, momentum is at an all-time high with a prior program, um, and I'm looking, to, I'm looking forward, and we'll talk about it with the transfer portal in the 2023 class. We can springboard all the positivity into national rank recruiting classes, getting some high-quality transfers. So, you know, it's really weird as a prior fan, but, like, things couldn't be better right now. Um, so I'm excited for the next couple of months. Yeah, man. I, like, to me, this – like, this is the, the moment, right? I think we we had some serious momentum pre-COVID. Um, 
you know, it looked like that team of 2020 was going to make a run. Um, And then obviously last season was tough. Um, I think it kind of put a pause on on that momentum, but now it feels like we're completely back. Um, And I think, you know, call me crazy, but I I think this upcoming year is, is very important, not only for Cooley, but probably mostly for, province college in the program as a whole, right? Like you really want to pounce on this momentum and, and get big guys and run it back next year. Right. Um, so very exciting. Although not all great news. Um, AJ Reeves and Justin Minaya are both done in Firetown. Uh, we'll talk about that in a segment with Rich, but, but I think it was kind of expected, but now it's official. Those two guys are out. Um, and on top of that, Providence did get a bit of a surprising decommit. Although if you kind of read the tea leaves with that one, it was getting a little weird with, you know, taking down information on on your social media page that you're coming to Providence. Um, but it was like all quiet on the Western front. And then Chris Esendoko was a part of the three man recruiting class coming in as freshman this year. Decommits from Providence. Um, so a bit of a bummer, but you know, this day and age, you can just with the portal and everything, you can kind of reload pretty quickly. So, um, you know, I, I think it's tough. I I was really looking forward to having the big Frenchman, but, uh, is what it is. Um, what what were your thoughts on that? Um, our hit rate is, it hasn't been all that great in North Carolina has, has it. Um, oh, and I mean, just when we thought, yes, we finally got one. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, it is what it is. Yeah, it's, you know, you're facing all these issues where we thought he was going to early enroll and then that doesn't happen and he keeps taking things on and off his social media representing Providence. Uh, we need a big, so I, I don't mean to say like, oh, I'm glad he's gone because we actually could have used him, but it may have been not worth the headache. Um and he wasn't going to be able to contribute this year with Croswell, Castro, potentially some others we're adding. Um, but it just reiterates the importance of in the 2023 class, we really need to get an instant impact big, either in the transfer portal, I think both in the transfer portal, but also in the high school ranks. And we're after some high quality bigs in the 2023 class. And that has to be priority number one already for 2023. Yeah, no doubt. Um... And then also, I, I guess other news. Case entered the portal. Did we talk? We might have talked about that already. No, we didn't um, talk about that. We did not. No. Well, once again, leaves another opening. Um, so, all right. So let, let's just get right to it. We're, we're going to go to our next segment here with Rich Corin. We're going to break down the transfer portal. We're going to break down the class of twenty twenty three. We got it all for you here at the Province Crier Podcast. We'll get to that. But first, a quick word from our sponsors at Anchor. All right. Welcome back to the Province Crier podcast. All right. So we teased this in the opener. Um, The Crier, we have some exciting news. We're pairing with Rich Korn and 24-7 Sports, specifically Scout Fryer. Um, In new collaboration here, we'll have Rick on as a recurring guest and He'll give us some great insights on to P, uh, PC's recruiting efforts. And, um, you know, we're really excited about this 
collaboration and we think it'll, it'll just be great for the pod. So, so without further ado, Rich Corin, nice to have you on. We're really excited about this. Really, uh, really happy to be here, guys. Uh, great to join you. I think you guys do a great job. And I think our, our collaboration is kind of a natural, um, you know, this big audience um, on 24-7 Scout. Um, and you guys have been building your audience as well. And I think there's some overlap. And, you know, I'm really excited to talk about Providence College basketball, the team, recruiting, uh, coaching strategies, whatever you want to talk about, um, game, and I think we'll have a good time. No doubt. So, um, you know, with it being the off season, you know, no better time than now to kind of take a deep dive into the recruiting here. So we'll just get right into it. Um, you know, at the crier, we've posted out our uh, transfer portal primer, as well as 2023 primer on our site. Rich does a great job with his recruiting notebook um, that you can find on Scout Friar. So a lot of really good stuff in there. But um, I, I said the way we're going to do this, let's attack the portal first, um, yeah. considering, you know, those are the guys that you kind of bring in right away. And then after that, we'll look at uh, the 2023 class and, and see what Cooley and staff have planned there. Um, so let's, let's just start with the team needs. Um, you know, with, with PC, they obviously lose a good amount of, of contributors from last year's team. Uh, we all knew Horkler, Watson, Durham would all be gone. There were question marks about um, – Reeves and Manaya, but now we do have clarity on that. Both of them will be um, foregoing their extra year of eligibility in Providence and per pursue professional careers. Uh, I, I guess, Rick, I'll, I'll, st I'll start with you. Um, were you surprised by either Manaya or, or Reeves' decision? No. Um, I think so. A lot of times during the course of the season, that the, that, that discussion came up among a lot of fans. Um, right from the get-go, I had heard that this was likely going to be AJ's last season. Um, I was a little surprised at how long it took him to announce, uh, but I was pretty confident that he was going. With Justin, I thought that there was a chance that he might come back, but I really wasn't surprised that he went either. He, he's been in school a while. You know, he's in a situation where he can go and, you know, earn some money uh, playing professionally. Same with AJ. Um, I think it was time. They both felt it was time for them to go. Yeah, I think I think as things, as the decision delayed more and more, I think the fans, myself included, became more and more optimistic that they may make the surprise in return. But I think regardless with, you know, the, the departures from this past year, we need at a minimum, we need another combo guard to help out Bynum. I think Bynum, you know, that, that Xavier win was fantastic, but I remember watching that thing, like they're just putting too much on his shoulders. And as great as Bynum was at the end of last season, you can't, you can't expect him to just put up 20 to 25 a game. That's not going to last. Uh, you need another stretch four, ideally with Horkler. Um, Cause if we get another big impact the paint, Croswell is not going to be as effective in my opinion. And then we just need another shooter. Uh, so a lot of needs, but I think that's to be expected with so many people departing. Yeah. BOC, what were your um, inklings on whether or not they would come back? 
I thought, and it, like after the season ended, I actually thought Manaya had a, a, a good chance of coming back because one, you could have sold him on having more, more um, of an offensive presence. Uh, I think he was more the defensive stopper. I think this year you could sell him on being more well-rounded and having more of a focal point in the offense and also like call spade a spade. He's not really hurting for money. Uh, so I thought Manaya may return. Reeves, um, I was unsure on. I think everything that Rich said was fair. Like I think even before this year, he almost left. So I didn't really expect him to return. I thought the way he went out against Kansas and, and you know, last few games, uh, he may have wanted some vengeance uh, and maybe a more consistent year in the super senior year, but they did a lot of great things for the program. So there's no ill will at all. I think all the fans just wanted to see potentially Manaya and Reeves return. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think we might've talked about this on our last episode, um, which pretty much wrapped up the season um, that I thought both of them would definitely be gone yeah. just because you look at last year's team, that, that team was built for that season, right? You had so many veteran guys um, and, you know, they had a chip on their shoulder, at least the guys returning the Watsons, the Reeves, the Bynums, even, you know, trying, trying to make up for last season, uh, a down year. And with guys like Durham, you knew this was, just, this was it. This was one and done for him. Um, so to me, it was like, that group accomplished pretty much all we could have asked for um, from a community uh, province basketball community perspective, in my opinion. So I really thought both of them were definitely going to be gone. Um, I I couldn't envision uh, Justin Minaya playing another game in the Friar uniform without his guy, Al Durham uh, by his side. So I was under the impression that both of them would definitely be gone as this thing kind of, escalated and we didn't hear right away i started to think oh, maybe maybe Manaya comes back but i mean think about it they they all did the senior year thing uh i know that's become a thing right now with the covid year and all this where a lot of guys are doing the senior year thing and then end up coming back but um i don't know i i just felt like it, it's it's right for them to, to walk out on this high note uh in my opinion but the, the thing is about their decisions, um, you know, we were waiting and Rich, I, I think that's the tough thing, right? Like with the way coaches manage their teams now, it's all about filling the holes you need to in the portal. But the problem is when now you have the flexibility as a player to be like, okay, I'm going to enter, but I'm going to re- uh, retain my eligibility. That kind of puts it like a, like a hard spot for the coach, you know? Um, so, uh, so I think what happened was, I think what happened was, um, you know, the coaches went down to New Orleans for the final four. They then came back, um, to campus, uh, and they had meetings with students before they then went out and, and started recruiting again. Um, uh, and so I, I really believe that even though we as fans, didn't know what was going on necessarily immediately with Reeves and Manaya. I think Ed and the staff knew, um, which allowed them to start planning ahead, who targeting guys at the portal, looking at players uh, this last weekend in the first live period. Um, so 
even though we may have felt like decisions hadn't been made, I think behind the scenes, uh, the coaches knew what Justin and AJ were going to do. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, because like Reeves announced early on that he would be pursuing the pro route, but left the door open. And that's the thing, right? You kind of, you know, it's great that you leave the door open. You would definitely welcome a kid like AJ who's done so much for the program back. But at the same time, it's like, okay, I got to figure out how I'm going to manage this roster and who I'm going to add for the upcoming season. So BOC already mentioned kind of the needs uh, that the team has. What, what do you think? What do you think the staff will kind of target? Well, I, I agree. I think uh, obviously the shooting is a big need. Um, we saw how effective Noah Horkler was uh, this year, last year and a half. Uh, so a stretch four is something that really doesn't exist on the roster right now. Although Rafael Castro um, uh, reports on him out of practice is that he's really kind of develop, developing in that direction. Um, and then what someone like Al Durham brought to the team where he was a, a – um, kind of a two guard, even though he handled the ball a lot and took some of the point guard responsibilities away from Bynum. But he really was a guy who could live at the foul line. He could get to the foul line at will. Um, and somebody like that is a little bit bigger, defends the off guard uh, well, and also can provide some scoring. I think those are the main needs. Now, right now, Providence has five available scholarships. I don't think they're going to fill all five. I think we're going to see them bring in three to four players, uh, depending on who the players are and what, you know, what they're able to solve with those four players that they bring in. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure the team held on to an open scholarship last year. Cause I mean, it's all about that flexibility with, with building your roster. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, on our uh, recruiting primers, we did lay out some of the needs um, you know, stretch four is definitely one of them. Um, unfortunately, those don't grow on trees. I, I threw out a few names, um, and we can get to those guys later. But I mean, that would be awesome if Castro. I think Castro has so much potential. Talk about a guy. Imagine we see him the first game and he steps out and bombs like four threes. I think the Friar fans would go nuts. They'd be like, Oh, yeah, man. What the hell did we have here? It's kind of like when uh, when when Bentel his sophomore year, I remember yeah. like like seeing him at Late Night Madness or something, uh, and just being like, "Holy crap! Like, what do we have here?" And he was freaking awesome. So, um, so yeah, that would be certainly a welcome sight. But let's kind of attack some of the names that have been kind of linked to Providence right now. We'll start with Devin Carter, six um, three guard from South Carolina, was a freshman last year under Frank Martin. Frank Martin gets let go. Um, you see a lot of guys from South Carolina enter the portal. Frank Martin actually moves on to local UMass. I think that's a great hire for them, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Carter, you know, freshman out of uh, Miami, Florida, good size. He's listed as 6'3", but you can tell he's, like, got some real size to him. Uh, and really a downhill attacking guard. Um, I think this kind of fits your mold, Rich, of uh, what, what, what Durham was able to bring to Providence. I mean, I, I don't think 
I don't think uh, Carter's the best, um, you know, shooter. shooter, but in terms of driving to the basket, drawing fouls, and he's a guy I can finish through contact, which is something that Durham was able to give to the PC last year. He's, he's strong. Um, he would definitely be a quote-unquote Durham replacement. The big question with him, obviously, is the shooting. He shot 27% as a freshman this year from three. Uh, however, he's got a good stroke, and he's the kind of guy who I think can develop. You know, keep in mind, he was a freshman. He's got three, he'd have three more years here. Uh, and, he, and like you said, he's the kind of guy who I think can live at the free throw line because he really does attack, finish well through contact because he's strong. Um, he's a good defender. Um, he's here this weekend for a visit. Uh, and seeing a commitment from Devin Carter this weekend, <clears throat> either Sunday or Monday, would not surprise me at all. Yeah, I, that would be a great way to get the ball rolling. Um, BOC, I, I think you mentioned, because you actually wrote the part on Devin Carter in our uh, portal primer after we had some WordPress issues. But <laughs> but um, didn't you say he shot 35% in high school? Yeah, he was, in, he was in the mid to high 30s in high school. But the thing you have to remember is he was playing high school ball where right. he's much bigger and stronger and insert any language around a D1 player playing high school. The weird thing with him is he's a freak athlete. He could jump out of the gym, but you could tell he wasn't necessarily taught the best fundamentals with shooting because he releases the ball. He's somebody who grew up playing basketball. He releases the ball right at his shoulder level. So it mitigates, you know, his size at 6'3", 6'4", whatever he may be, and allows smaller defenders to get into his chest a bit. Um, so that'll be something where hopefully they notice it right away and get him to have a higher release point. But I think if we are to land him, which would be an awesome land, everybody, you know, he was a top 100 four-star recruit. So we're just piling on talent here. We do land him. I think he may be able to start alongside Bynum um, and give us that downhill presence where, you know, he's just attacking the hoop and maybe it opens the floor up for Bynum a bit. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so let's move on to another guy, a familiar name, um, more so than Devin Carter. I feel like Firetown kind of just learning about this guy on the fly here. But uh, Bryce Hopkins, if you remember last year uh, when BOC and I were writing articles uh, about their recruiting plan, um, he originally committed to Louisville, decommits, opens it back up, Illinois, uh, Kentucky, Province were pretty much the three big ones that were after him. Um, he had a really good relationship with Province. I believe he has a relative from the area. Um, and it was looking good, but I mean, stiff competition. Friars end up losing out to Kentucky. He ends up flipping from Louisville to Kentucky. I'm sure that made Louisville fans very upset, but is what it is. He ends up not playing very much in his first year. Um, which we kind of alluded to when, when he committed to Kentucky. Kentucky was pretty stacked in the 3-4 spot. Um, and then also, not only did they have one-and-done talent this year, they had they added a lot of grad transfers. Uh, Coach Cal trying to make that mix work. Obviously, it didn't work out too well against St. Peter's in round one. But now Hopkins entering the portal again. Top 50 recruit out of high school. 6-6. Uh, you can play him at the three 
and play him at the four as well. I personally think he might be better suited as a small ball four man. Um, but, uh, but, but we'll start with you, uh, Rich. What do you think about Hopkins in Providence's chances with him? Uh, very good. I think, I, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here and, and say that I, I think that Providence is the favorite for him right now. Illinois is back in the hunt for him as well. However, I don't think the need is there as much for Illinois, even though that would be the so-called hometown thing. Um, Hopkins was the composite number 39 recruit in the country, uh, which would make him one of the highest recruits to pro that province would land since Chris Dunn. He's an interesting player. He's kind of a, um, he's one of those guys when you watch, a lot of times when you watch a top 25, top 30 player, <clears throat> there's an elite skill set that jumps out at you. And with Hopkins, there really isn't. Um, he's not a super leaper. He's not a great shooter. He's kind of an all-around uh, cleanup kind of guy where he's going to go in, he's going he's to score on misses, he's going uh, uh, to score close to the basket, he can pass the ball, he can do some rebounding. Um, you know, Providence fans, because of his ranking, they're going to look at him to come in with high expectations. <clears throat> and I really think he's one of those guys that you're going to have to let him develop a little bit. And I think he will develop well under this staff, but he's not going to be one of those top 25, 30 guys who comes in and dominates right away. He'll be a guy that Providence can really use. He'll fit in well. He'll do a lot of things we're looking for at the wing. And like you said, small ball four spot, um, but you've got to be patient with him. Yeah. I think, I think if we were to land him, a lot of the casual fans would like almost like a Johnny Juzang and say like, oh, he should replicate his when Johnny Juzang went from like three and two to 16 and eight or whatever he averaged. I don't think that's fair or reasonable. Like if we were to land him and Richard spot on, if we were to land him, I would say forget about what his ranking was in high school. Even if he put up 10 and five next year, I think that's a, an immense success of a year. And by the time he graduates, you look at him almost as like those old like Jay, uh, Jamie Dixon pit players where you're like, this guy's undersized, but he just beats the crap out of you and you just can't wait for him to leave school. So I think you're spot on. I got a player comp that let's hear, let's hear it. Uh, that I wrote about Hopkins uh, when we were after him last off season, Tobias Harris. I, I think, I think he's close to a carbon copy of Tobias Harris. If you remember Tobias Harris, uh, you know, was one and done at, at uh, he might not have been one and done. Um, but he was at Tennessee, uh, and now at Tennessee, he played the four spot, and he was kind of like your cleanup man, uh, crash the glass, score um, around the basket, but also a guy that could drive the ball as well. Um, and then you look at Tobias Harris in the NBA now with the Sixers, he's kind of developed as a shooter uh, as well now, so he's kind of well-rounded his game. Um, they're similar in size, like – that, that's who I see big time. Um, and I think he could be a guy that, that would come in and actually would make a pretty solid impact, uh, you know, his first year here. I mean, maybe he does need time to develop more. Um, it's kind of tough when, what, he only played like three or four minutes a game or something at Kentucky. 
But, um, you know, I, I think he can be a very good player in the Big East. And for me, a few things I, I like to hear when, when I'm hearing about Hopkins. One being, it sounds like a lot of people were like, Cal probably should have played this guy more his freshman season. He had a good game against LSU where he came off the bench, provided a huge spark, had 13 points in 16 minutes. Um, also grabbed a couple offensive rebounds, putbacks, what have you. And watching the highlights of that, and we have the highlights in our primer article, the Kentucky player, like his teammates, were loving him going off. And so that tells me two things. That tells me, a, his teammates like him, which is a good thing. And I think Providence has kind of changed their, um, you know, theories on recruiting here. Not only do we want talented guys, but I think we want culture fits. And I think that was made apparent, especially from last year's team and the guys that they brought in. Um, so this, this seems like a guy that's liked by his teammates. Um, on top of that, it tells me that he he's probably busted his ass in the gym, right? And just hasn't gotten the opportunity despite that. So um, that's what I really like like to hear about Hopkins. I, I really hope PC lands him. Rich, let me Rich, let me ask you something. I was thinking about this, and this is probably going back to Carter a bit more than Hopkins, but it is Hopkins a little bit with Legend Geeter. Do you is there any frustration maybe with the freshmen or the incoming freshmen and I know it's like a new world with you know free agency transfers and stuff like that but is there transparency with the coaching staff when they say hey we're going to bring somebody in to try and improve the roster is there any promises made to the high school kids coming in or the freshmen who redshirted like a Dieter or Castro I'm curious what you have heard about that yeah I mean those that's a great question I think I think some staffs are better than others um, Ed and his staff uh, they spent a lot of time talking to these guys, and I think they're very upfront and very honest with them. And I don't think that they make promises. I think it's more like you got to earn this. Um, and I think they're very clear that, you know, with with like Castro and and uh, and, 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 and Geter, Jeter, um, they knew they 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 accepted it. You could see they were fine with what was going on. You know, they had discussions with the player, with their families. Um, they, they laid out, um, you know, you're not going to play much this year. We have a very old team, very experienced team. Cracking this rotation is not going to be easy. Um, and so I think that for the guys coming in, uh, they have these discussions. And the portal has kind of <clears throat> opened up a whole new ball game where the, you know, freshmen coming in, uh, if they're unhappy, they're going to leave. So who left Providence this year? They obviously they knew they were fine. They knew, you know, we understand the strategy. We understand what's going on. You know, Goodine didn't play much. He's still here. Um, and I think that's what it's going to be coming, going in. Coaches want to get older and they want to stay old. And so they're always going to be bringing guys in and younger guys like in Villanova are going to have to get used to sitting and waiting their turn. Yeah. I, I personally think that with the rampant um, shift towards the portal here, I think the high school recruiting is more so going to be about building those relationships than maybe landing those big guys. Right. 
Because think about it. I mean, you have, you have a thou- over a thousand players in the portal. There are 356 teams, and there's 12 scholarship spots per team, right? Um, so 13. 13, excuse me. Um, so you're talking about a good chunk of college basketball looking for a new home. Um, so it'll be interesting. Um, and we'll, we'll get to those, uh, th- those, the class of 2023 momentarily here in some guys that PC may target, but I just feel like as this thing evolves, um, I think it's going to be important for recruiting guys out of high school to build the relationship more so than maybe, Hey, let's put out the full out press and land this guy right now, because those opportunities can come in the future, but let's go to another guy in the portal right now that has been linked to Providence. That is Corey Floyd. Oh, I, uh, I knew you were going to say, I knew you were going to say that. Oh yeah. So Corey Floyd Jr. Played at uh, Roselle Catholic. Um, correct me if I'm saying that wrong. Ro- yes. Roselle Catholic. Come on. Roselle, I'm, from Jer- I'm, I'm from Jersey. You can't be doing that to me. Okay. Roselle Catholic. Uh, obviously a big time program. He was a four-star recruit at a high school. Um, Province was in the mix as his dad, uh, Corey Floyd Sr., played here in the 90s for two seasons. Um, so here he is. He comes to UConn. He rolls early. And it seemed like they had a plan for him, uh, uh, Richard, talking about you know having a plan with your players. It seemed as if. UConn had this plan with him where we'll bring you in early, we'll let you develop in our system, and we'll redshirt you. And UConn fans were expecting big things. Now he's in the portal. And Province is linked to him. And to me, um, for me, this is more about optics and gamesmanship. And, uh, like, I would like to see this happen more so for the fact that it would just drive UConn fans nuts, uh, to be honest with you. But, um, Rich, what do you think? Like, obviously, PC's linked to him, but are they serious about bringing him in? Like, what do you think the chances of this happening are? You know, um, I think there's a chance. I think, I think he's a good player. And you build your roster with good players and you, you, you bring in talent when it's available. And if a player like that wants to come, it's hard to say no. He, bring, he would bring a lot to the team. Um, he would be a guy who you could develop over four years. Um, he's strong, handles the ball well, shoots it well, good defender. Um, there's the legacy thing with his dad having played here. Um, there's worse guys that you could bring in than Corey Floyd Jr. Yeah, no doubt. And, and it seems like UConn fans were, um, you know, you, you see it on Twitter a lot. We're definitely pumping his tires going into this, uh, his first, well, his first real season at UConn. Uh, and now that he's gone, I think a lot of them were like, well, you know, you know, maybe he just wasn't a fit or maybe he's not good enough. Clearly he definitely is good enough. Um, and, by me saying, like, I want to see it happen more so for how funny it would be to me, um, is not trying to, to besmirch Floyd's game at all. But to me, I, I think that, you know, talk about putting the needle in the, the voodoo doll, right? Uh, that would drive UConn fans crazy, I think. Um, 
BOC, what, what, what do you think about Floyd? Do you want him? Because another thing that I've seen from Friar fans is like, oh, well, I'd rather have Carter because he produced um, in the SEC last year. To me, it's, I mean, man, you can never have too many guards. So, so BOC, what do you think about Floyd? I think I think you think back to the Baylor team like two years ago where they just had so many playmakers on the court and that opened my eyes to like, hey, you need shooters on the court and you need playmakers who can create one-on-one. I, I think Floyd has that capabilities and he still has four years remaining. Um, in a vacuum, I would say, yes, absolutely add him. But to the point I was making with Rich earlier, it's, you know, you have Pierre coming in, you have Barry coming in, you have um, potentially Carter, you have even three to a certain extent, you know, like, Godine, you have a lot of similar players. So does it force somebody out or does it make somebody upset? I don't know. So it's that's why they pay Cooley the big bucks because he knows the chemistry in the locker room. And I, I don't. Um, but in a vacuum, you say, hey, he's a top 100 player from New Jersey, which, you know, anybody's listened to these pods and read my articles. I've, I've been hammering the table. We need to start recruiting Jersey more. Um, so I would be happy about it. But uh, I just don't know how it would impact the locker room because there's there's going to be a lot of those combo guards that are young that have three to four years of talent or uh, eligibility. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's separate let's separate Pierre out of the mix though because he's coming in as a pure point guard. Yep, yep. So he's a guy who's going to be playing you know, here after Bynum leaves. And he's going to be backing up Bynum and helping with some ball handling and everything. Where you really get the log jam would be if Carter were to pop this weekend um, and you've got Barry coming in who, you know, we don't know a lot about Barry uh, because we haven't really seen him play other than other than what we've seen in, in, uh, at Winston-Salem. Yeah. Um, but you could bring Carter and Floyd both in. There's, there's room for both of them. Um, what that does to Barry, Breed, and, and Gudine, that's that's what the coaches get the big bucks for. Yep. I agree. Yeah, all right. So let's um let's wrap up the portal with just a few other guys. Um, I've seen Providence be linked to Eric Williams Jr., plays at Oregon, initially played at uh, Duquesne. He is the son of Eric Williams, who played for Providence, was a first-round pick. I don't pick. think he – he wasn't a Providence guy. Eric Williams? Is he was? Oh, Eric Williams played for Providence, but, but Eric Williams Jr. is not his son. Yeah. It's a different not? Eric Williams. Well, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Are we sure about oh, that? No yes, yes, no. yes. Okay, well, regardless, Eric Williams, uh, Eric Williams Jr. from Oregon – Noah Locke is another name, a, a guy that PC pursued twice at a high, once at a high school, and then when he entered the portal last year, um, or two years ago, pardon me. Um, he's another guy, a cook, a cook just announced he's leaving UConn as well. The mass exodus of UConn is happening, which is funny to see. Honestly, I heard a, though, hey Mike, I heard I heard PC was tied in with Hurley's kid too. They're trying to bring him on board. <laughs> yeah. We're just trying to poach UConn's entire team, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think at this point. Well, I've heard, I, I, I thought I heard that Dan Hurley himself is entering the trend of the portal. <laughs> <laughs> he might have to, if, if, if he doesn't turn this thing around. Right. Um, but um, you know, I, I don't want to do too much dancing on UConn's graves yet because obviously 
That's the thing with the portal. You lose guys. What does that do? That creates more openings. You can bring in other guys. They already brought in Tristan Newton from uh, um, East Carolina, I believe. And, you know, he's a guy that they, that they expect big things from. So are those guys or other guys that are in the portal, have you heard any anything about, you know, anyone else we could potentially be after? Yeah, yeah there's one There's one other guy, uh, Naheem Elaine from uh, Virginia Tech. Um, mm. Now, he's a 6'4 kid, and if you want a shooter, he's a shooter. Um, he's got one year left, and it could play the super senior season after that, so potentially two. Um, he's for his first three years, he's been between uh, 37 and 41 percent from three in each of his first three years. Um, if Carter were to, for some reason, not commit, I could see Providence really pursuing a lane uh, from oh. Virginia Tech. Awesome. I still can't get over that that they aren't related, that the Williams aren't related, but whatever. Uh, so, all right, let's shift gears here um, to the 2023 class. BOC wrote a, a pretty good primer for us. Um, I, I know I saw on scout that um, Silas Dem- Dembry. Demari. 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 Uh, he's a guy that, that PC's after. Um, BOC, and- I'll start with you. Because you wrote our primary article, you know, who do you think they're going to attack? Obviously, our list has a ton of guys where some of them probably might not happen. But um, what, what are you thinking about that class? Early yeah, on? and also, also everybody listening, uh, Rich put out 10 prospects in the 2023 class that's posted on the main page. So take a look at that. That's re- Whereas our, ours is just lists out like the people of interest. I think Rich does a really cool job of talking about 10 folks by almost likelihood to a certain extent of being added to the class. So take a look at that as well as our article. Um, The one that everybody's going to jump out and listen to and hope and pray for is Bowen, the kid, the kid uh, who plays for Brewster, uh, I believe. Um, He is a five-star. He's a freakishly athletic wing. It's all the blue bloods are after him. Um, What we have going for us is the fact that we were in there early and often. He's been on campus a multitude of times. And it helps when you have a really good season, like the one we just had. Um, you could sell the playing close proximity to home, playing close to high school. You could sell the early minutes. Now we can also sell, hey, we are a top 25 program. And exemplified by us being on Fox, exemplified by everybody in the media seemingly knowing about Cooley and Providence, he would be in the limelight. So we have that going for us. But with any five-star prospect, you're going up against the, uh, the Dukes, the Kentuckys. It wouldn't surprise me if North Carolina gets involved as they're looking at his teammate, um, another wing. It's like Buzelis or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's the, you know, you start next to his name. If you land him in the class, anything else that happens in that class is fantastic. Um, the other thing that jumps out is they need, they need a true big in the worst way. Um, so there is... And Rich, help me out here, and Mike, help me out. Uh, Kingsley is his last name, if, if I recall. He's a, a late bloomer um, that is coming onto the scene in a big way. He's like your kind of your typical big where he can play with his back to the basket, but he's a rim runner. He's a modern shot blocker. He's probably going to help us first and foremost on the defensive end. So I would look at those two names as two names that I've really circled as, hey, if we can land one or both of those, it's a home run of a class. 
Yeah. Um, Rich, let me ask you this. EOC brought up the Sweet 16 run. You know, over the past few recruiting cycles, granted, I, I thought last year um, we did a pretty good job given the circumstances to bring in Pierre um, Barry and then Chris Essendoko. Unfortunately, he decommits from Providence. But um, but do, do you think that Sweet 16 run and now the momentum that the program's gaining, do you think we end up finally landing some of these guys instead of being on their final list and not making it? Yeah, one of the things that I've written recently is I think Providence is now becoming a destination for, for, for talent because of both the Sweet 16 run, the amount of uh, media exposure, the amount of publicity that Ed has received. Um, I think that they're getting into living rooms that they previously couldn't get into. Um, and they're taking swings for players that they previously <clears throat> had no chance at. Uh, you know, BOC mentioned Taylor Bowen. He would obviously be the crown jewel of any recruiting class. Uh, Silas Demery is a guy who they've been on for over a year. Jeff Battle has been recruiting him down in uh, North Carolina. He would be a great ad because uh, he's known for his defense. He's a guy, he would be a defensive terror on an Ed Cooley team. Um, Ugana Kingsley, the 6'11 kid out of Putnam Science Academy in Connecticut, <clears throat> late bloomer, big kid. Uh, Providence went to see him uh, the week before they went to play Kansas. So those are guys who... Um, we really need to uh, focus on and land one or two of those guys because uh, that would make all the difference, I think, to the talent level going forward. Yeah, uh, for sure. It, it, you know, how about this? Isaiah Miranda, the <laughs> local kid. Um, we wrote about him early. I don't think it's happening. It seems like he's – is he a five-star, Rich? You, if he isn't, he's close to it. And yeah. it's funny because Bowen, uh, who's ranked number 24 or something like that, is only a four-star, but he's a five-star too. Uh, Miranda, I think the bright lights and the handlers and all the other stuff that goes on around these kids, um, he's not somebody I included in my article of 10 names to, to watch. Yeah. Uh, and I purposely didn't because I don't think uh, I promise we'll try for him. He's been on campus. He watched him practice during the NCAAs, uh, but it's a long shot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it seemed to us like, you know, he's always tweeting pictures about USC and UCLA. So uh, it seems like he wants to, to be out in LA and get the, that limelight, but. Um, can't, really, can't really blame him. <laughs> no, no. But, you know, it's always important to try and bring in, you know, the guys that reside in your own state. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I would agree with you. I think from, you know, from a tea leaf perspective, it doesn't look like we have much of a shot to get him. Um, but yeah, so, so with the portal then, and then, you know, like you said, we have five opens. Do you think we go two or three portal guys? And then hold the other two, um, and, and then I'm sure you'll get more too, considering 
Crosswell would, would graduate next year, right? Um, well, that's the thing. Keep in mind, you've got five openings right now. And I believe they're going to bring three to four guys in on the port from the portal. But then you've got guys leaving next year as well, right. which will, will be scholarships that are open for the 2023 class. And the other thing to keep in mind is this last weekend was the first live open contact period. So the coaches were in Indianapolis and they were down in Florida watching guys. And there were a couple of new offers that emerged out of those sessions. Uh, so I think that we're going to start to see a lot, and there's going to be more offers that are going to come to light. I think that we are going to start to see guys who we're not aware of right now. We're going to start to see some new names uh, in the next two, three, four weeks um, ahead of uh, the summer, and then they're going to see a ton of new offers. Um, so we're only looking at who we know about right now, but guys like Solomon Ball, Curtis Williams, those are two brand new offers that came out of this last weekend. Um, and I think that, uh, I think we're going to see more. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Rich, that, that that's why we got you, right? You got all the intel on the recruiting trail. Um, you know, I would say definitely continue to read our stuff. We'll, we'll have stuff. I keep updating the, the portal article because it seems like every single day something new happens um but we'll have some stuff on 2023 as well um also go on scout.com um check out uh rich's notebook check out those the, the, those top 10 guys uh a lot of good stuff so rich this was, this was great I, I can't wait to continue this as we go on here th throughout the offseason no, it's really exciting. I think, um, you know, we've, there's a lot of different opportunities for us and a lot of different ways we can take this. And, you know, in terms of guests and, and, and maybe some fan interaction um, with us and everything. And I, I think there's a lot of potential. Awesome. Really great. All right, PFC, do you have any, any closing thoughts? No. Well, as, as we get more familiar with Rich, we'll start to get some of the, the hairy details from past years. We'll, we'll talk about some Kiwi Gardener stuff. We'll, we'll, get the, we'll get into the mix of things. So this is a good first episode. I'm fired up for the future. All right. Well, that's with, a... I'm going to leave you with one thought. Okay. You know, I'm th when you think about Justin Manaya, has any six-point per game, five-rebound per game, player for Providence ever impacted games in a season the way he did with his yeah. defense, with, with stuff that didn't really show up in the box score with locking down opposing big guys and, and big scores and everything. I mean, you look at his stats and they're okay, but then you look at the impact that he had and what he did for this team. And, you know, a, a big, uh, a big thank you to Justin as well as AJ. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, I, hard to argue with you there. It's, you know, most guys that the average six points you kind of forget about. Um, and certainly not Justin. I, I thought him and Durham, um, I couldn't have envisioned a better fit. And the fact that these guys won over Friartown big time, I, I think, in just one year is a testament to those guys, uh, who they are as players, who, who they are as people too. Right. Um, I think that was, I think chemistry, um, was, was a big key to success this year. 
And, um, you know, I look for PC to, to really take that highly in, into consideration uh, when they look at guys from the portal and out of high school. So, um, and yeah, with Reeves, awesome, awesome ride. You know, if everything went smooth sailing, uh, you know, I feel like we wouldn't appreciate it as much, right? He comes in, lights the world on fire, his first game against Siena, um, has the foot injury, dealt with a lot of adversity over the four years, but to, to be able to, to, in his last season at Providence, be a key contributor um, in peace for a Sweet 16 run, just awesome. So I agree with those sentiments. All right, that is a wrap for another episode of the Providence Crier podcast. We will catch you next time, Firetown. Have a good one. See you guys. Take care. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way up on the hoop, eh? Cross over, I might go to LU. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. PC, you know we on go, eh? Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, eh? Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Hope, eh? I'm the alpha dog, Diallo. They was sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage. And you see me bumping, so we gon' let them have it, yeah. They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic. This year we taking over March Madness. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, eh? Cross over, I 